I'm your host, Dora Vandekamp. Welcome to the Biohack Your Beauty podcast, where we take a deep dive into the world of biohacking, lifestyle, wellness, and self-development. Join me in uncovering the mysteries of beauty, anti-aging, and ultimate longevity with the experts, teachers, and guides who are leading the health revolution. Hello, beautiful ones. Today, holistic dentist Dr. Seb joins us on the Biohack Your Beauty podcast to talk about holistic dentistry and how to hack your dental health. This interview is one of the most fascinating episodes since we touch on a subject that is so intricately linked to our overall well-being and longevity, but is rarely talked about. In this episode, Dr. Seb and I discuss how the health of our teeth is linked to the current condition of the rest of our body. We also talk about the correct way to breathe to support strong, healthy teeth, if you can heal a cavity without a dentist, and if so, how, and techniques that you can implement daily to improve the appearance and health of your teeth. Dr. Seb also shares some incredible lifestyle tips to help you support your dental health. You do not want to miss this episode. It is so full of powerful wisdom. All right, my loves, on to the show. Hi, Dr. Seb. How are you today? Hello. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, yeah, I'm good. Thank you. I am really well. It's been a, it's funny because I always do a whole day on clinic and then I, I, I definitely do like two PR things a, a week. And I just love it because I think it's such a un touched upon especially in the UK right biological dentistry holistic dentistry we've got the overriding like kind of health service so people don't get access to this knowledge so I like to spread the word as much as I can and you're doing an amazing job of that so thank you thank you thank you well so are you I love your Instagram you have so many incredible posts about all different aspects of tooth health and dental health. So it's very, very exciting to learn so much from you. So thank you as well. So I'd love to begin today by asking you just a little bit about your journey and what led you to become a holistic dentist. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? Because my path has changed so much over the course of the years since I was a kid, really, because I always wanted to be a dentist for some strange reason. No doctors, no dentists, no any medical professional in my family. So I have no idea why. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I just loved science. And then naturally my mum was like, what do you want to do? I was like, oh, I don't know. And then I went around and just, you know, studying or work experiencing in different settings. And I just found this massive affinity for dentistry and helping people. And weirdly, my on reflection now, I started work at, at this practice I think I must have been 12 years old and then I became like the Saturday receptionist and the Saturday nurse if anyone needed a hand and I just loved it and I loved how you can go into a dental clinic and you can be in immediate pain and someone can take your pain and they could be like oh yes wow no more pain I can get away from it and that was the first like niggle to me but classic me I didn't get the grades to get in first time I was too interested in sports and girls at 17 and 18 I think and it's but interestingly what happened there is my life took a different path and then everything came back to lead me to dentistry but the different type of dentistry so I thought okay I'm just gonna maybe maybe it wasn't dentistry maybe it's just money maybe I just wanted money maybe that was it and so I went in and studied like chemistry and got this really great job in London and 
I hated it. And I got very ill during that period of time as well. And I met my wife during that process. And um, we were crazy to start with partying, you know, as you do when you're young. And then I just kept getting ill, like these like Empatigo episodes and these salmonella poisonings. And I would go away on holiday and I'd always be the one that would have a sore stomach or tummy issues. And, and, and then I was like, what is this? And then it really, you know, well prior to that I went traveling as just just graduated from my chemistry and I got really ill and ended up in intensive care and then when I started so I went around all the private medical doctors in the conventional way and no one would knew what was wrong and none of the tests that they were running was picking anything up and they were just giving me antibiotics antifungals antiparasites and I was just getting more ill more ill more ill and then actually um, my wife's family are very big into homeopathy and naturopathy and cleanse and restores and all of that kind of stuff and I was very like no don't trust it and uh, it took me like a year (laughs) to get understanding that you know it's not a quick fix and you have to cleanse your system and you have to gently come back to where your reference point was but then you realize you can go further than that now with the new knowledge you have and feel better day by day and obviously that brings us into the biohacking field but I um during that process when I was really looking for these answers I went to an immunologist in London he said oh what are you doing with your life and I said well in IT in London and he's like oh what do you want to do and I was like well I did always want to be a dentist and he put me in contact with the head of admissions in King's College London and then it kind of just went from there but knowing that I'd already been through a time in allopathic medicine didn't help me and was probably making me worse I went into dentistry shadowing all of these holistic biological dentists as I was studying and then went straight into it because I didn't want to do anything else. So that wow. I, it's pretty crazy, the story, but it just makes sense on reflection. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love that you came back to the thing that you were so passionate about and maybe you having that whole experience where you were burned out and yeah. kind of in a place where you were sick and had to heal really from the inside out impacted you now as a practitioner as well. So that's oh. really cool. So much. And it's given me so much more tolerance for patients because I I was that patient looking for the answers. And, you know, I know a lot of dentists, doctors can be really quite dismissive of what's going on and say, oh, it's in your head or, you know, and that's actually not helping anyone. And, you know, you've got to just try and listen and understand and get to the root cause. But that's where it comes from, holistic dentistry, right? Try and get to the root cause. And my mentors 30 years ago, amalgam, mercury, which we'll come on to, was the root cause. But then since then, and they've been healing all these patients, taking the mercury out system, detoxing the metal, they're realizing, well, not everyone's as good as they should be. Is there something else? Is there other areas? And that's kind of what leads us on to, you know, a lot of the foundations of my type of biological dentistry now, which I'll try and incorporate as much as possible and as little time as possible. So it doesn't cost my patients too much, but, you know, at least you can get an overview of it all. Yeah, absolutely. And I definitely want to touch on mercury fillings during our interview because I think that's a concern of a lot of people and they have a lot of questions about that process but first I just love to touch on the link between our health our overall health and the health of our teeth like how are those linked because I think in our culture we tend to look at a lot of the areas in our body separately and I just want to touch on how is our dental health linked to our overall health Oh, it's so intimately linked. So, I mean, I'll try and I'll try and crisscross it a million ways. But, I mean, the first one is our teeth are like shells with a living material inside. So you have like, 
you have your enamel on the outside, which is the only dead layer of tissue on a tooth. That, that is created underneath the gums. And once it erupts into the mouth, you've got your cells that create it on the outside of it and they kind of get washed away. So there's no, with the, we'll get onto remineralizing teeth in a bit, but enamel is the only one you can't regrow. All the other substances inside, you can harden, regrow, remineralize. The dentine layer in, this, in the center <clears throat> is, makes up 70% of the tooth. And that is the second hardest substance in the body other than enamel and even harder than bone, which is crazy because you don't really think about that, do you? You think bone's the strongest thing, but it's actually not. Um, and then within that, you have your, your organic tissue, which is your nerve and your blood supply, your neurovascular bundle. And that's what carries nutrients, just like to any other cell in the body, right? Carries nutrients via the pathways of um, the arteries and the veins and carries them away and takes away toxins. Same in the tooth. So it's a living, breathing thing. And when your body's in distress, let's just even think about it. if you have, don't have enough minerals in your system and you need them to process your cellular reactions to produce your energy and to function day in, day out, where's it going to take it? It's going to take it from the stores in your body, which are your teeth and your bones, right? So you need to make sure that all your minerals, nutrients, your vitamins, Ds, Es, Ks, you know, all of the ones that do these things are at a reasonable balance. And also, if you know, so that's how the teeth are living. But what's interesting is that they've done a study and I can't remember who it was, but I read it in a book probably a couple of years ago now that they measured the lymphatic flow from the tummy. So they put a dye in someone's mouth and they, they um, drank it or ate a tablet or something like that. And it was small enough to get through the tooth. And so they ingested this tablet and it took one hour to get from the stomach digested to the pulp of the tooth on this um, imaging that they saw. And then from inside the tooth to outside of the enamel, because everything's porous in the tooth, it took 24 hours. So the teeth have a very, very slow pushing out process to clear all the tubules. Because what happens is the teeth themselves, um, either they're remineralizing and things are being pushed out or they're demineralizing and things are being pulled in like the bacteria and the infections so your body and the lymphatic system has got to be pushing things out so stuff and bacteria that's small enough to get in those tubules doesn't stagnate and cause problems and and dissolve the teeth which is the demineralizing point so that's a fascinating point and then if that's happening then you realize how well oil pulling can be because you can be swishing to pull things in and out of the teeth to kind of move them on and keep things flowing. And that's like anything in our body, you know, we movement equals movement for the digestive system, but also for the lymphatic system to detoxify. And then obviously the teeth, you know, this is getting more spiritual, but the teeth that are kind of like in the realms of when they're having a problem with them. So let's say it's the first big molar on the lower uh, left-hand side that's linked to the lung large intestine and stomach meridian so you then have to and I don't diagnose from this obviously but what I do is I say well do you have stomach problems is there something going on here and the, honestly you never know which one's a chicken or the egg but it's such a bi-directional route it just makes you like just makes you blows your mind how these things happen but obviously the Chinese and the meridian lines of in Korea they've actually documented these meridian lines with dyes now so it's and they end in the teeth or beginning the teeth, whichever way you look around at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's fascinating. And it's also really amazing to think that we actually had this information for thousands and thousands of years and that it's been forgotten, but now 
that it's being rediscovered is one way to put it. But yeah, yeah, that we're implementing this ancient wisdom and and it's actually really beneficial for us as well. So true. But yeah, that's just like how living they are and how much, you know, then there's all the things that influence that locally and systemically. But I guess, does that cover that or should I go deeper? Yeah, that's beautiful. And we can go deeper. I do want to touch on oil pulling because mm. that might be new for a lot of people. I definitely talk about it because it's something I, I have practiced for a really long time. But maybe you can touch on what is oil pulling uh, briefly and what are the benefits of that? So oils are fats, obviously. And when you have fats, you need to understand that most of the stuff in our mouth is tissues apart from the teeth. So that means they're organic and everything organic in our body has like a phospholipid bilayer, which is just a fat that encompasses our cells. So when you're swishing around a fat in your mouth, regardless of the properties, it either gets absorbed by the body or it goes in and pulls back out or bit dangles in, fishes, pulls out and then it attaches to it. Oil pulling is using um, almost medicinal oils such as raw coconut oil or sesame oil that's organic, preferably. And what that does is it it just cleanses the system because the oils themselves have very mild antifungal, bacterial, parasitic properties, which in small doses means that you don't have to worry about it disrupting the microbiome too much in the balance of the bugs if you've got healthy bugs. Because what it does is it makes the environment unfavorable for um, the bad bugs to live and favorable for the good loves bugs to live. And then that's compounded by the nutrition and the food you feed yourself. Because obviously if you're stopping these back, bacteria static means that the turnover of the bacteria is reduced, not as prolific. Now, if you're feeding yourself the right foods and stuff and you're leaning that dynamic equilibrium to the way of the good bacteria, then you're even further in you're inhibiting both, but you're in, uh, further inhibiting the, the bad bacteria because they're not getting the nutrients they deserve. And the bad bacteria thrives on, you know, anything refined. So your carbohydrates, your sugars, anything. And they're the ones that quickly turn it over. Whereas the good bugs love the fiber, love the pre-probiotics, you know, all of those type of things. Um, so, yeah, it's a huge subject. And I love oil pulling. Just, you know, even in, even in the medical world, they're showing that 20-minute oil pulling reduces plaque and calculus on your teeth by 50% on a double-blind study, which was really interesting. And um, you don't you don't need a lot. You just need a little teaspoon. That's it. Put it in your mouth, starts to melt, swish it around. And then your saliva mix with it, all the immune function in that really packs a punch. I've been doing it like you for several years now. And I couldn't imagine not doing it. And I don't get me wrong, I miss a day or two, but you know, I couldn't imagine not doing it. It's unbelievable. It's the best. I love it. I'm the same way if I'm over, like if I stay at a hotel or something and I don't have my coconut oil, I can just feel such a difference. It's it's just like, like I almost like I didn't even brush my teeth, you know, even though I did yeah. it's such, it makes such a difference. And, uh, yeah, I feel like that is one of the most essential things you can do for the, the, the health of your mouth and your teeth. How often are you doing it? Are you just doing it in the morning? I do it in the morning for 20 minutes, usually yeah. before I eat and anything yeah, I yeah. do it. What do you recommend? Exactly that. Yeah. I, I, I get up. I have, I, I always scrape my tongue first just to get off the bulk of the bacteria from the tongue because obviously tongue's very hairy and traps things. Then I oil pull. 
for 20 minutes while I'm normally doing a bit of exercise, making my smoothies for the day, you know, that type of thing. And then hopefully you don't even notice you're doing it by the end of it, do you? Once you're in a routine, you're just doing all your other things whilst you're doing it, which is probably good for cognition as well. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's funny that you say you tongue scrape before because I always tongue scrape afterwards, but I'm wondering if I should switch those two around. Give it a go. You know, I think there's any right or wrong. I just look at it like it, it, you're lowering the bacteria count before you get in there. So that then the concentration of the oil is going to have more of an effect on the rest of the stuff. That's the way I look at it. That's a good, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. I'm going to have to try that. So tongue scraping, like you said, is also something people can do. And what does tongue scraping do for your, the health of your mouth? Again, it's just about lowering the the amount of debris that could be on the tongue, which acts as a feeding ground for um, bad bacteria, but also good. So, you know, do it in balance, although I've become a bit addicted to it. I do it morning and night nowadays. Um, But it's really interesting once you get into it, you actually notice the color of your tongue different times of year when you're a little bit run down and you think, wow. And if you, I, I, you know, I only probably, tongue scraping is probably the newest addition to me. I've only done it for maybe three years, which is crazy. And um, before that, I think, how did I go around with not doing it before? Because so much comes off every single day and you're just amazed by it. Um, But for me, again, it's just lowering that burden on the body so it doesn't have to deal with as much. So you can deal with more other stuff, right? Because if you're swallowing constantly and obviously you're using your tongue, if it's in balance up and back to swallow, which means that you're swallowing that stuff off the tongue up to 800 times a day. So you're either giving yourself probiotic or a pathogenic dose of bacteria that you don't want in your stomach that's got to deal with right oh my gosh that's so fascinating so this leads me into a few subjects the first one being mouth breathing and nose breathing because Mm -hmm. as you said like we're swallowing 800 times a day and there is such a difference between breathing through the nose and breathing through the mouth from a dental perspective. So what is what is the benefit of breathing through your nose versus breathing through your mouth? Oh gosh, so much, but pure on so just a summary for me, like if you like if I look at my patients, they're probably the same age. Or here you go. I look at two sisters that came into the office last week. One was one year older, one was a chronic mouth breather, one was a nasal breather. Guess who had more dental disease? <laughs> well I mean I'm guessing the mouth breather, right? Yeah. yeah. Because there's so many different ways to skin this, but the first one is if you breathe through your mouth, you're definitely going to have a low tongue posture, which means that your crowding in your upper jaw is going to be worse than the lower jaw. And if you're young enough to have those imbalances, then it means your lower jaw is never going to grow to its full potential because it's trapped by the upper jaw or the lower jaw grows too big. And you have that really big lower class three mandible, which is where it grows bigger than the, the upper jaw. Um, So that's purely from the skeletal perspective. And then if the teeth aren't meeting together nice and evenly because there's no balance within the mouth, you're putting pressures on teeth, lots of pressure on teeth in ways that really shouldn't be put on there. And there's cracks, breaks, chips. You're also more likely to clench and grind your teeth at night if you're breathing through your mouth because the tongue is more in the airway um, because your your lower jaw has your tongue attached to it, but you don't see the bit that goes down the back of the throat. That's also your tongue. And if that's in the airway, when it's in the lower jaw, it's bulging at the back. So if you're asleep flat, everything falls down vertically, your airway shuts at night, you're trying to breathe and it's pinched at the top. Your body says, I need to breathe. So then clenches on your teeth, tense all the muscles to open the airway to be able to breathe again. So not only are you 
you um, causing problems with the jaws not being big enough for the airway. You're also with a low tongue position, you're having to clench more at night, so putting pressure on your teeth where you don't need to. Also, don't forget our saliva has a job, and that job is to kill all things that aren't good and um, also remineralize our teeth with the minerals and nutrients that are in our saliva. So if you're mouth breathing, you're evaporating all that saliva, you get lots of calculus stuck to your lower teeth or front teeth, gingival inflammation, which causes leaky gums, which allows bugs into the mouth. So then into the blood, sorry. So then you're looking at like all of these little things that really compound to big things overall, and they cause lots more decay, lots more cracks in teeth, lots more headaches, lots more lower back pain, head, neck, shoulder pain. All of these things because you're having to cope with how things are not to mention like cracks and breaks in teeth. So normally there's more, a lot more dental disease in someone that's breathing through their mouth more than they should do. So it's really fascinating because we're really taught that sugar is what causes cavities, right? What you're saying is that actually there's a lot of other things that contribute to toothaches and cavities. So mouth breathing is one of those things. What are some other things that contribute to cavities and toothaches? Oh, yeah. So mouth breathing for one, obviously a whole, don't get me wrong, sugar causes imbalance of the microbiome and leads to more pathogenic bacteria living in your mouth. So you're more likely to have a high risk of getting cavities. But if you had like, this is why some dentists, you know, see, oh, they never brush their teeth or they never do this and they've got no cavities anywhere. How does that work? Because they've got the right bugs living in their mouth for whatever reason mm-hmm. that don't push towards the dental disease. But for others that have either weaker teeth or, well, that's one thing as well. If your teeth haven't grown and developed as strongly as they can and they're hypomineralized, which means undermineralized or hypocalcified, which means they've not formed as strong as they should with their mesh around them, then small pressures, easily more dissolvable, that can cause, be more susceptible to these dental diseases as well. But it's, so whole foods, foundation for everything you know organic where you can nutritious where you can no additives where you can no rancid oils things you know stick to the things that are trying to support your body you know i always say food is information and energy and you're giving your body that information every day so if you're having a mcdonald's every day you're giving it rubbish information which is you know not that that stuff's going to go into your cells because that's what it has to use as the building blocks so then things don't function well things don't be things aren't put into the place that they should be so that is the foundation for sure then obviously the mouth breathing for me is the biggest thing other than um, sugar and brushing teeth obviously you've got the brushing and cleaning and then you've got which actually links into the mouth breathing which is the clenching and grinding on teeth because obviously that is putting remember that outside layer the enamel layer is that one that never reforms and is strongest out of anything in the body and if you put too much pressure on it in a wrong way or you clench too much over the years, they will crack, it will allow things in. And then you've broken your seal of your tooth and then you've got problems there. So your toothbrush can't clean in between a crack. And then that's when the dentist is looking at, it's a good tooth, but what's going on here? Can't understand. So they're like my like pivotal fundamental things. And then of course, all of them influence the microbiome and having good bugs living in the mouth. Um, and you can get lots of adjuncts now, such as like probiotics and prebiotics for good bacteria for the oral cavity, not just for the gut anymore. So things are being pushed in the right direction. But yeah, there's the, the brushing, the cleaning, the food, the diet, 
and the mouth breathing the I mean a lot of people don't clean in between their teeth a lot of the time so I've, no not a lot of the time but I, I see people in their 30s and 40s with holes in between their teeth more than any other age group because obviously they're not used to that or they've had good teeth when they're younger and their dentist never touched upon it so definitely clean in between your teeth because just like the tongue things can pack in there especially if you've got little spaces in between your teeth so you've really got to try and the longer something's on somewhere the more anaerobic it is which means it's not it's not it hates oxygen and the more anaerobic it is the more negative the bacteria is usually so you don't want things stagnating um but don't don't forget that plaque can have a positive role as well and can be good in the mouth and can remineralize teeth so if you've got a good balance question is how do you test that <laughs> yeah so when you say cleaning in between the teeth are you talking about flossing yeah it's interesting i'm not a fan of flossing i don't floss i don't like flossing between the canine teeth sorry the only place you should floss is between the canine teeth up and lower because they have very flat roots and the floss actually works quite well in those areas and you don't get like the kind of little black triangles between your teeth but do i do it no i still prefer the other things so I either use the water pick where you, it's like a water spray that goes in between all the gum line and you can just point it and spray. It takes a few weeks to get used to, but once you've got used to it, it's really good. I also use, um, don't forget oil pulling will also be swishing stuff between the teeth, which is good. Um, but I, I like the little picks, which don't have metal in them. They're like the silicony ones, so they don't poke the gums and cause too much bleeding. Because obviously I don't like bleeding because then that means bugs can get into your blood. And then your body's got to deal with that immune, immunologically. So I like that they're called easy picks and they're like TP brushes, but they're like silicon and you can just push them through with no stress at all. And they've got little bubbles in there and they push things in and out. So they're pretty good. Oh, wow. This is so fascinating. I've never met a dentist who's like, don't bless. Actually, <sighs> these are better options, but that's a good thing to know because I, when you say that, flossing to avoid those little black triangles. I definitely can see how flossing can be kind of, it can almost aggravate the gums in a way. Like it's not, it's it doesn't feel natural or, or gentle, right? Yeah, it's a skill for sure. So if you're not doing anything currently, build up to flossing and just do things that are easier. Something's better than nothing. You've got to be cleaning in between your teeth. So definitely interdental cleaning, but I'm not a fan of floss anywhere other than your front teeth. And the reason is because the teeth at the back have roots in them and the roots have like concavities in them. So if you're flossing up and down, it doesn't reach those concavities. So you need something to flick things out. Oh, okay. Very cool. I will have to switch that up because I'm a flosser. So I will have to look into the water. It's clearly pit. working though, so don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, the oil pulling is something I think has yeah. made a huge difference. I never have any issues with my teeth. My teeth are quite healthy. So I really do feel like oil pulling is a big part of that. So when we talk about our teeth being living, right? And all of these lifestyle habits that support our teeth health, can we heal our teeth naturally, right? If we have a cavity, is that something we can heal naturally? And if so, how? It is, isn't it? But we've got to be realistic. So between 0.1 mil and about 0.7 or 8 mil, well, up to 1.1 in the thickest teeth, there's enamel layer. And that enamel layer cannot be regenerated because the cells that live in there are exfoliated once they erupt through the gums. So there's none of them left. Um, however, 
the layers in the middle of that, like the dentine, is living and has stem cells in it, so it can actually contribute to healing itself. So I always say, if you've got a lesion, like a hole in the enamel layer, then you don't really need to do anything. You can just leave it, watch it, wait, change diet, nutrition, mouth breathing, don't clench, change all these lifestyle things, monitor it. And a lot of the time you don't need to do anything. If it's in the top third of the dentinal tubule layer, so quite far away, two thirds away from where the pulp, the living pulp is, you can um, remineralize that for sure. I've seen that over and over again, where people change the diet, nutrition, add in oil pulling, add in essential oils, add in um, change the diet completely, add in your fat soluble vitamins like your D3, K2, vitamin E, um, and they change massively. And you can take an x-ray. I think I've even posted some, haven't I, where you see like the dark bit in the tooth and then you take an x-ray six months later and it's now white because it's remineralized and healed. Oh. So that can, it's, it's commitment though, right? So you have to change your lifestyle and you have to be committed. So it's whether someone wants to do that or rather just have a filling that takes two minutes. <laughs> yeah, and that's like such a good metaphor for our whole medical system, right? Yeah. <laughs> do you want to do the work or yes. do you want to take something that, you know, maybe temporarily, well, maybe permanently in a way, but then yeah. that tooth has a filling in it. So. Yeah, exactly. And the question is, um, I think when you start going down this route, you turn it into more of a lifestyle anyway, don't you? And it becomes very normal to do the things that you do. So then actually the risk to everything minimizes and hopefully you'll start enjoying it because you feel good and you don't want to veer away from it. Absolutely. So this is amazing because you mentioned, so changing your diet, adding in D3, K2, vitamin E, you mentioned whole foods. Are there specific foods that you believe nourish healthy teeth? Um, yeah, I like, there's quite a lot really, but you know, grass-fed, pasture-raised, um, meats with all those vitamins you can have and eggs that are pasture raised grass fed um, have a lot of the vitamins in them I'm also a big fan of like the resins with all of the trace minerals in them because I think a lot of our body misses that um, and they're the little things that work as co-reactants in the body to help things move that we really don't get from our carbon-based foods anymore all of the organic foods um, in terms of the whole foods it's basically anything that you put ingredients together and make a recipe at the end of it that's not been made already um, and that's just because it's good information for your body to to use um, I'm more of a like an adjunct person as well so you can you can use ozone gas to like slow things down and do things before you put in um, fillings and you can then that then puts them on the path so it's hard, isn't it? Because the, I mean, one of my favorite ones is the raw cod liver oil as well. But not everyone likes the taste of it because that's got your A, D, K2 in it, um, which is huge. But I quite enjoy having that every day. I think it's somewhat nostalgic to my grandma when I used to go in a caravan touring, I think, and she used to give me a cod liver oil. And it was probably the worst rancid cod liver oil with all the additives in. But anyway, she tried. <laughs> How funny is that? How cool, though, that she had that as one of her things because now you have that because I I take it too and I actually enjoy it as well but mm. I think we're so far removed from these 
flavors. And so I think for a lot of people, it's very foreign and they have to kind of chase it with like juice or something. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's so highly nutritious. I think it's probably like what your body's running on as well. So if you're running more on the fats and stuff, you're going to, your brain's going to recognize it all nutritious. Whereas like I'm just doing a detox with my wife at the moment for like a big long one, like nine months, I think we're going to do it for, but we're doing a big cleanse and restore and heavy metal detox and paratype, like, you know, all of it before we try and have kids. So we're doing pretty like anal with it. And I thought, you know, I was eating well anyway, where I'd have a little bit of alcohol on big occasions and I'd have at the weekend, I might have a little bit of dairy or gluten, but I'd have my enzymes. So I'd be okay. And, uh, then just cutting and even like the sugars it would have there'd be like raw cane sugar or date syrup and we'd make our own stuff but now for three weeks I've had no sugar and everything just tastes like like crazy and the only I'm not even having any grains even the good grains so no quinoa no buckwheat it's just like potato so it's like the paleo mixed with other stuff so it's like pretty intense but the first week was just detox mad like just from changing the diet like how my body was just cleansing and I, and I like, I, I live by the 90, 10 rule a lot of the time where 90% of the time I'm so strict and so on it. And then if I go out the weekend to a restaurant, I'll be like, okay, yeah, whatever. It's not organic, you know, have fun or have some chips, you know, and just relax. Cause I think you need to harness that mental aspect as well. Yeah, absolutely. But it's crazy when you stick to something new and you realize how much, well, not even new cause I've done it before in the past, but just how much you build up toxin wise in your system yeah are you doing a specific heavy metal cleanse or is it just something with certain guidelines yeah we're just working with a functional doctor actually and we're starting the first so I'm on I'm into it all so I do like castor oil packs I do like um like I sleep in them and we do like infrared saunas three or four times a week and we do cold showers and we do ozone nebulizing once a week you know like kind of everything and um this has just changed the diet and then the first month of supplements is just purely opening up the detox pathways just to kind of go through um but yeah there's it's basically supporting the, the kidney the liver the lungs the lymphatic system body brushing obviously um so it's been pretty cool i'm loving it but the first week I was like, how am I working? I don't feel like I can concentrate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can be rough, but what a gift that you're giving your future children. I think that that's something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, I think a lot of us aren't aware of the power of preparing our bodies for uh, starting a family. So I think that that's a beautiful thing that you're doing, even though it's challenging. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And also what's crazy is that you know, through the research that I've done is that mercury and heavy metals can pass down up to four generations. Wow. So we're cutting the tie because our, our mums both had mercury fillings and their mums did. And it's really interesting how you notice these things. And what we're seeing more and more and more of today, autism, sensitivities, hay fevers, autoimmunes. So it's because it's all being passed down and the younger generation are like the you know the scapegoat and everything's in them and they can't really function the way that we could or our grandmas could or you know great grandmas could yeah absolutely while we're on that topic I'd love to ask you what what can parents do to help their children grow healthy teeth yeah it's good isn't it so in like I love like veganism and and vegetarianism for ethical reasons but for for growing kids and it's not good so I see a lot of really healthy um mums 
that have been vegan during their pregnancy and their kids have got like completely wrong teeth and they're like hypo mineralized and coming through and their decay is everywhere because they're not strong enough because they've not had the minerals and nutrients and stuff to to put into their kids and obviously when they're growing in their womb everything's being transported from their bones and teeth and that's then they get all this dental disease because they've not got enough of the circulating stuff because they're not eating the foods so then it's a bit of a cocktail of things so it comes back to the same foundation like when you're pregnant you need to and I don't think it's enough not to supplement anymore unfortunately and you need to find a good non-synthetic whole food vitamins because they're the ones you want to be using um not the ones that are made in a lab that your body recognizes half of it but not the other half so that's a huge thing and then when the kids are born get them used to the dental environment obviously and just checking things regularly but uh, you know when they're babies just checking for tethered oral tissue so lip tie tongue tie so they're not going to because you need them to be able to swallow correctly breathe correctly to be able to grow the upper jaw and to lower that dental disease chances when you get older which is a huge thing but that even comes down to b vitamin nutrition deficiencies tongue ties and it's unbelievable it's when you actually put it down to the nutrients that go there mm. um and then if they are mouth breathing, just gently close their lips when they're sleeping and just keep reminding, you know, keep doing it. You know, there's tribes are all around the world that the mums just literally stay up all night closing the lips until the kids oh get gosh. used to it. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. I didn't know no. that. That's amazing. Cool, isn't it? Yeah. I, I saw another that. one the other week where all of these babies were in these cots outside in Serbia and, uh, they were just out in the freezing cold because it helps support their immune system, just getting used to stuff like that. And they're just in the cots outside for their nap time, <laughs> like minus oh 20 or whatever. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, it's so, we have so much to learn from other cultures and history. We've just been sheltered too much, our generation, I think. You, yeah. know, we've, we, you know, we've evolved on this planet in our way for a reason, but now we've taken it away and we're living on these homes and we're doing all these things, which is great, you know, but... There's think there's lessons to be taken from every aspect in there. Absolutely. The other question I want to ask, and this does apply to the younger generation as well, is fluoride. So fluoride mm -hmm. is something that most dentists, at least conventional Western dentists, give to kids, especially it's in almost every toothpaste, unless you're getting like a natural toothpaste. Mm -hmm. What's your outlook on fluoride and should we be getting fluoride or not we don't need it it's not something we use in our body to function at all the, the, the good thing about fluoride is it does strengthen our teeth but if it's strengthening our teeth it's going to strengthen our bones as well and when bones become too strong they become brittle so that's not a good thing because we need our bones to be flexible so i mean how often do i use fluoride in a year never Mm -hmm. never 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 we change the diet we change the nutrition we change the brushing cleaning we change the clenching grinding we change the mouth mouth breathing obviously and things are fine and decay is low it's a cheat sheet fluoride because what it does is it strengthens your layer of crystal on your enamel to become super strong that's stronger than the natural version of it but then of course it goes into your body as a toxin and it strengthens other things you know the studies that show that it calcifies the pineal gland because the pineal gland sits, the master regulator sits outside the blood brain barrier. So it allows fluoride in it and starts to harden it. So it's so susceptible at a time where you're growing and developing and your brain's growing and developing that we shouldn't be using it. I remember my parents giving me <laughs> fluoride tablets from the dentist. Yeah, I did too. 
We've done all right though, at least. <laughs> yeah, I think we we managed. And it's funny because when I was little, I actually had this occasion because I, I grew up in Holland where they don't have fluoride in the water. So they give you those little tablets as like a supplement yeah. for kids. Yeah. And I loved how they tasted because they have sugar in them. So one day I downed the whole entire bottle and then wow. I, you know, got sick and stuff. But it's just funny that that's something that I, I think nowadays it's a totally different story. I think a lot more parents are aware that fluoride is not something that is essential and especially for children. You know, a lot of people are going to the dentist and saying like no fluoride for my kid. Yeah, yeah because the, in, in the UK, they're pasting it on like high, so Put into an example, a, a shop bought fluoride is probably like 1,450-ish, 1,500 parts per million. But when you go to the dentist, they paint a varnish on the teeth, which is 22,600 parts per million. Oh. So you're, And they do that every six months. In, every six months in kids up to the age of like 10 or 8 or something like that. But then if someone's showing dental disease, they do it every three months. So... And yeah, it does strengthen teeth. But if you're putting that high concentration on your teeth, it's clearly going to get into your system. So this brings me to another question. And I have my, my clients ask me about this as well, because we talk a lot about EMFs and radiation. Mm -hmm. And x-rays are something that a lot of dentists also uh, want their clients to get. So what is your opinion about x-rays? And should people be getting them? every year every six months what's kind of your idea about that it's completely unnecessary radiation if you don't need it obviously so I always there's a saying in the UK which says as low as reasonably practicable so you don't really want that many so like for example let's say I saw two kids today one was nine one was six I took an x-ray on the six-year-old which I hate doing but because they were showing dental disease and they had hypomineralized teeth so I just wanted to check that there's no massive bits of decay that and that I didn't need to go in and do fillings on those two teeth the adult teeth because he's got to live with them forever um but his sister showed no signs of anything and they were nine so I didn't want to take x-rays so mm -hmm. really I'd only take them if needed and then even when I do it, I put it on like half the dose of an adult just so I can see it Mm. um but would I I don't have a routine prescription for how many often I do them if I see signs and things are slipping I'll do them but if if they're not and there's no signs of anything going on then why do it if you know it's okay I think that's a fascinating answer because a lot of what I've heard from from clients is that it's it's policy so it's policy okay. for us to take an x-ray every year it's policy for us to take an x-ray of new patients or whatever so I think it's really cool that that's that's your policy is clients needing them and then doing that but not doing it for every single client because yeah. it's policy don't get me wrong for adults that come and see me for the first time I take a different view x-ray which shows jaw joints which shows sinuses which shows each of the teeth including impacted wisdom teeth where teeth that come out I will do that but let's say on average I probably do an x-ray for them once every two, three, four, five years, depending on what's going on. Mm. And it's, it's interesting how sometimes you can't see anything about them. The x-ray will pick it up. Right. So, um, you know, that's the, that's the frustration sometimes that you, sometimes you have to do them, but yeah, you know, I, I don't, I don't agree that you need to do them as policy and everyone's the same because they're not. And then you try and categorize it into high, medium and low risk, but then 
people just always do the one that's going to get them in less risk if anything goes wrong because that's how patients think uh, yeah. dentists think right yeah about the litigation they're worried about that but to me that's, you need to do what you believe in and that's your patients attract you attract those patients that believe in the same things too yes oh my gosh absolutely so let's talk a little bit about mercury fillings and what to do first of all why is a mercury filling something you may want to consider getting removed and if you are going to get them removed what would be kind of the way to go about that interesting mercury hey so my mentor was scolded for this um because he was like the first in the uk to be mercury free and everyone's like you're mad they're fine they're safe (laughs) you know it's just crazy it's in the mouth it's alloy it doesn't leak you know all of that stuff and you know to the naked eye it doesn't leak but when you so let me just the consistency of a metal silver filling 53 percent mercury some silver some tin some copper some zinc that's what's in that metal alloy kind of filling material <laughs> but the 53 percent metal when it's in your mouth it's fine it's bonded into the metal alloy it will never come out but the fact of the science is that if you're clenching grinding um eating hot or cold drinks uh, or drinking hot or cold foods and drinks the other way around, it releases these nano amounts every day. And it's like 10 to the minus nine. So that's 0.000000. So it's a small amount. But for some people that have multiple fillings, eight or more, it becomes really toxic in their system because it's dripping, dripping, dripping all the time. And then their body, if they don't have the right enzymes to break it down and detoxify from it or the right, um, detox pathways or they're not open because there's too much going on elsewhere it starts to store this in places we don't want it and where does it store it in the fat what fat cells our nerve cells in our brain and then yeah so I've seen some really crazy cases where people walk it like wheel in on a wheelchair and then go out being able to walk again because that interferes with their nerve cells so much and the you know so one the metals in the mouth they create galvanic current. That's the one thing. And they run on the same kind of frequency as our nerve cells. The second thing is that it's releasing mercury into your system, which is toxin. And if you dropped a thermometer in a place of work, everyone would have to evacuate because it's mercury on the floor. Yeah. Um, and yes, it's not the same effect. Um, it's not as much, but it's nano amounts. And then the third thing is really when metals are in the mouth, especially heavy metals, they attract bugs and fungus and parasites and stuff. So then you're more you're more leaning towards that negative, like kind of microbiome and dosing yourself up in your system with that. So it's one of these things, isn't it, that there's so many reasons not to have them. What are the pros of them? The pros of them, they last a very, very long time because they're so toxic and nothing gets in between them. And normally it's your teeth that break around them. So with the other fillings, the white fillings, you know, even then you've got to be careful. You want to have your BPA-free plastic ones. You don't want to have your BPAs in your plastics. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones that need to be monitored because when the bond breaks, because they're glued in, things can leak around them. So, Oh my gosh, I didn't know that at all. How interesting. Yeah, it's a minefield. It's taken me years as well. I'm, I'm passionate about this and do it every single day. But yeah, learning every day too. So when somebody wants to get their let's say heavy metal fillings removed, or if they have BPA fillings, which is something super new to me. I'm like, oh no, now I have to go check that out because I have had my mercury fillings removed actually. And I went to a holistic dentist and they used ozone, but um, I'm not sure about my white fillings. So Mm -hmm. if somebody wants to go get their fillings removed or changed, 
what would be the best way to go about that and looking for a practitioner as well who will do it safely because I've heard of dentists who have removed them but then somebody having a really severe reaction to that oh yeah it's horrible isn't it yeah so you've got to be really safe and there's actually an accreditation around the whole world that you can search for smart certified dentists so you look on the iaomt.org website and you search for a smart certified practitioner and they all have had to do training and testing and um, work the way that you want them to be working, which is essentially using a rubber sheet around the tooth, giving you an oxygen supply, using a filtration system, giving you a binder before, during and after, and giving you a binder to take away um, and using a special technique to remove it, which is kind of sectioning it up rather than drilling it all down. So not much vapors released. So that's like so key. But most holistic dentists hopefully will use BPA-free plastics because they understand. Um, so you should be okay, I'm hoping. <laughs> I'm hoping. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting, isn't it? Do I routinely remove white fillings from patients? No. Mm. Do I, if the doctor's worried about their endocrine system, I'll present it to them because obviously it could be disrupting the, the thyroid function or the, you know, whatever else there is going on. Mm. Fascinating. Wow, Ugh, there's so there's so much depth to dental health. I think it's just fascinating just thinking of all of the links to our bodies that our teeth have. So uh, thank you so much for talking about this today. We do have three questions we ask all of our guests on the Biohack Your Beauty podcast. So the first question is, what is your definition of beauty? Oh, wow. It's a tough one, isn't it? My definition of beauty. I think it actually comes down to more of an emotional state and like bliss and being someone that's, you know, you can tell when someone's living their best life, happy, floating, glowing, you know, that is beauty to me. And, you know, I think that's when someone's taking ownership of a lot of things as well, you know, the emotional, the spiritual and the physical um, of having all of those things ticked off and having a community around that's all on the same wavelength, which is the hardest thing to find actually. But I'm lucky that I'm bathed in all my patients that are around my mindset. So I come home every day, like glowing because we're all on the same page. Yeah. Same with your clients, I'm sure. Absolutely. That's amazing. And you actually mentioned that in the beginning that you attract these clients to you. So mm -hmm. I think that's a beautiful way to put it. What is your favorite inner or outer beauty tip for our listeners? I love the infrared sauna as a practical thing. And then that's my outer. And then my inner and cold showers, they kind of go hand in hand for me. And then my outer, sorry, my inner. Probably I started the kind of inner journey with just like mindfulness meditation probably like eight years ago. And then since then, it's kind of just grown and like, now I seem to like driving in a car with silence rather than listening to noise and just um, really listening to what other people are telling you without absorbing the energy is a tough thing. And I've developed that as being a practitioner, obviously, because I used to, when I first started this, get so drained by the end of the day. And obviously I was seeing a lot less patients when I first started out. And now I feel empowered by it because they're coming 
from a place of understanding what they're coming to look for as well, especially with social media, with all this knowledge everywhere, people were so much more informed. And I feel like if you can listen to someone truly and not take on their stuff and empower them to do their work, then that provides stillness and peace within you as well. Um, and I think everyone in this life, because we're human, should be trying to help fellow humans in some way in their life, because I think we are very communal animals and we have to be able to feel like we're supporting people. That's just maybe me, but I feel like everyone I know that really goes above and beyond to support people has that inner peace and love and knowing. Absolutely. And where can people find you? That's a good one. So we're currently updating the website, but the website is www.wonderofwellness.co.uk. And I do like online sessions with people from all around the world, just to give them direction um, on their questions that they have. And um, I also obviously Instagram is probably where I post most of my information on. I need to try and do other platforms, but I just uh, I have just got someone on board to help me out with that soon. So I'm going to be doing on more other platforms. But at the moment, it's just um, biological underscore dentist on Instagram. And I just try and create a, like a hub of all things dentistry that you probably wouldn't think of. And yeah, quite passionate about that part because then it empowers people from anywhere in the world to go away and ask questions that are pertinent to their health, right? Yeah, absolutely. I highly recommend following Dr. Seb on Instagram. So much amazing information. And also today, just thank you so much for sharing your incredible wisdom. This was absolutely amazing. No, thank you again. And it's amazing what you're doing. I wish I could have the time and energy and patience to start a podcast, but I will at some point, I'm sure. So well done. Absolutely. There is time. It will come. It will happen. It will. If you loved this episode, please give this podcast a positive review on iTunes or Spotify. It helps us spread the word about the power of holistic health and beauty, and it helps this podcast grow. If you share your favorite takeaways from this episode on Instagram, please make sure to tag me so I can reshare. Thank you so much for listening. Have a beautiful week.